Hey friends, welcome to YYZ Podcast. My name is Melissa and I will be your host as we talk all things Toronto. So let's get started. Okay, so I'm going to introduce a new segment this week and it's basically called Too Trendy for Me. And these are things that crop up in the city every now and again that are just so... They're basically the epitome of trendiness that really serve very little actual utility. And this week in Too Trendy For Me, Toronto is getting, or now has, a freestyle cereal cafe, which has opened near Young and Shepherd, which basically you can fill up a container of cereal for a fixed price, which is $10, with any cereals that your heart desires. And the question is, is the grocery store is that just too hard of a concept or is the market really yearning for a DIY cereal bar for ten dollars because either I'm just not in touch with the people or this is insane either way I don't know but you will not catch me paying ten dollars for cereal under any circumstance I'm pretty sure you can get a full pack of bacon for ten dollars but I mean, whoever this is for, who is this for? Seriously, I want to know. If you would be into this, let me know because I just can't see it. But maybe I'm behind. Maybe I'm a hater and then 10 years there'll be cereal bars everywhere, so. Also, how can I talk about anything this week without talking about the Noah's Ark level flooding that we've been pretty much dealing with for the past week? Now that it's the weekend, it's managed to turn it around, but this weather was on some Vancouver, England mix, and I I was feeling personally victimized. It is May, and we had these Noah's Ark level rains. At one point, I just felt like I forgot what the sun looked like, people's morale was low. There's just something about waking up to rain eating lunch in the rain, taking the subway in the rain, biking in the rain, going to sleep in the rain, that gets to you after a while. You just feel like you're going stir crazy. And I don't know the last time that it's rained that heavily. And you could definitely feel the toll that it was taking on everyone. The sun finally came out on Sunday. So that was a true blessing because I could not deal with another few days of consecutive rain but honestly I feel like how can people deny global warming when you look at the weather outside and this is not really normal like it's May you even look at the old adage like April showers bring May flowers and we still have May flowers so something needs to be done here and also on that note I was at the ROM on Friday and I had a chance to see the blue whale exhibit which was if you're not familiar basically there were nine blue whales that washed up on the off the coast of Newfoundland I want to say in maybe like 20 something 2015 maybe earlier and it's rare that because blue whales are very evasive and exist in the deep waters that people have a chance to research them so it was sad that these whales washed up but then this presented an unprecedented opportunity for research and 
as a result, the ROM now developed this entire blue whale exhibit and just learning about the evolution of the blue whale through history and how blue whales are endangered due to human activity and how they were hunted. Just learning about our ecosystem and how much we have to do to protect the marine life and things of that nature really was thought-provoking. So I would encourage anyone who has an interest in conservation, and even if you don't, it's just a really eye-opening exhibit. So yeah, definitely check out that exhibit. Glad it's not raining and that's all there is to it. So Carabana is one of Toronto's biggest attractions and this year two of the mass bands got into some hot water for cultural appropriation and so the one that I read about first was Carnival Nations. The issue is that they keep themes for their costumes so that people can you know know what they're signing up for and it keeps a bit of interest and this year in honor of Canada 150 they have been trying to incorporate I guess Canadian themes but as part of this they incorporated what they thought were indigenous elements including indigenous headdresses or their take on indigenous headdresses and costumes that were inspired by indigenous dress. The problem is it this is not Caribbean culture to utilize and second of all it doesn't seem like any indigenous people were consulted prior to this taking place and as a result to no one's surprise there was a huge outcry because this is an appropriation of culture and also insensitive because this is the sacred headdresses and the sacred um, clothing of indigenous people and without consulting the proper groups, <sighs> appropriation, like if it's not part of your culture, it, this is the thing. I get it that sometimes people mean well to some extent, but at the same time, if it's not your culture, you should never just go ahead and think that you are able to put something on or to say something or to wear a certain thing without consulting people or even if you are consulting people just sometimes it's better to pay homage without needing to insert yourself so if you want to appreciate someone who looks beautiful in a sari for example it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to wear it that's not to say that someone might not allow you to if you are showing respect to the culture but at the same time it's like if this isn't your place then sometimes the best thing to do is to stay out of it and in this case it's just like come on like we've gone through this so many times with Coachella and each year there has to be at least 10 think pieces saying stop appropriating culture don't put a bindi on your forehead don't put on First Nations headdresses like this is people's sacred and important dress and things that have meaning specific to their culture especially for people's cultures that are often diluted or disrespected it's just never a good idea to even like there's so many things that you can do that don't involve having to put on elements of other people's culture that it's just never really a good idea or never justifiable and that's not to say that everyone comes out of the womb or is never problematic but at the same time they're just things that automatically you should know to stay away from and they got dragged 
which is no surprise, but hopefully this will be a learning experience. And now it seems that people have consulted with people from the Indigenous communities. This is just a lesson that this is something you should do preemptively. Like, people need to start being proactive. It's like Pepsi ad, you know what I mean? Like, that's how you know that you either exist in a bubble or just that naive to think that people aren't going to react a certain way. Like, you need to check yourself and get outside of your own little bubbles so that you can make sure that what you're doing is not going to be terrible. So as far as I know, the costumes have been pulled. And if they haven't, that's just not like, what are you doing? But it's important to know that, you know what I mean? These things, you need to be vigilant in essence to just not, just stop messing around basically. I don't know, but just a mess. And I hope this is a lesson learned. Just also about the need for respect of Indigenous cultures and that there's a lot of things that are ongoing that all of us need to unlearn and that all of us need to be more uh, attentive towards with regards to not being appropriative and not doing or saying things that could be offensive. And this is just, I think, a good starting point, an unfortunate way to start the conversation, but still... It's important that this could be used as a learning opportunity. So in slightly more uplifting news, I think I talked about this many weeks ago, but that an Anishinaabe restaurant is opening in Koreatown in the former Tacos El Asador space. It was slated to open in March, I believe, but you know how these things go. Construction can be crazy, permits, whatever. And I know all this from watching the Food Network, what up? Anyways, all of that to say, Toronto's newest Anishinaabe restaurant, Nish Dish, is finally open and in true Toronto fashion, subject to super long lines. And all of this goes to say, which I said I think in episodes before, Indigenous cuisine is such a strange blind spot in Toronto in that there's so many cuisines, but you really haven't seen a lot of Indigenous cuisine represented. And it's so exciting to finally see that the tide seems to be changing and that there are more restaurants cropping up, which is exciting because it's a food that I feel so many people should be acquainted with that we really just are not to the same extent that we are with Thai food or Indian food. So it's great. And it's also typical Toronto that there's a huge line. And you know me, I'm probably gonna have to wait until the line dies down because that's not really my style. But still, like, this is really exciting. And I am really happy and stoked to taste what the food is like another huge line for a New York transplant, switching gears a little bit, Halal Guys, which became famous in New York for offering Middle Eastern street food, I suppose, has finally made its way to Toronto after teasing it for months and months and months. And it opened during this week of unending rain and lo and behold that didn't stop people from Toronto from lining up so another huge line and it is now open at 563 Young Street which I believe is like young and uh, I have no idea but whatever 
You can Google it. I don't know if I'd wait in the rain for it. And especially not if I was paying and there was no free stuff. But these people did. And I hope their experience was good. Maybe if you lined up, tell me how it was. I might end up there. I might not. Who knows? But actually, I feel like I should try the one in New York first. Then I can complain about how the one in Toronto isn't the same. It's like reading a book before you see the movie. That's how I like to live my life. So I'll try the one in New York. And then I'll report back once I try the one in Toronto. But hey... The line is alive and well. No rain will stop anyone from lining up in this city, which I kind of admire to some extent, I suppose. So there's been a lot of media coverage lately about music venues closing and how difficult and pretty much non-lucrative it is to now operate a music venue in the city. In fact, I think the Silver Dollar just had its final concert last week, but there is a bit of a silver lining-ish in that there's actually a music venue that is reopening, and that is the concert hall that is in the former Masonic Temple building, which housed MTV for a number of years before they moved down to Queen Street and were acquired by Bell Media, I believe. So, located at 888 Young Street, which is Young and Davenport, it's a 100-year-old venue, and it's in the Masonic Temple, and it was being re um, repurposed, I guess, or reutilized as part of the Toronto Jazz Festival operations, because I think they're moving north from Nathan Phillips Square to more Yorkville. So as part of that, they're using the concert hall as a venue. But after that, it was also announced that they will continue to operate the space as a concert hall after that, which is really exciting because there are some good mid-sized venues in the city, but a lot of them are being hit and closed down. And then there's just a lot of venues that are either really tiny or really large. So having that sweet spot of a venue that's not too big, but also something that is a heritage space that has a lot of culture and a lot of history where people have played in over the years is really exciting. And it's also really important for Toronto, which is a place that honestly, as far as preservation goes, doesn't seem to like to hold on to old structures that much. You know, there are a few, but by and large, a lot of things are getting knocked down. So to have something that is a heritage, both in actual structure and just by the caliber of people who have graced the stage there, including Iggy Pop, a tribe called Quest, the Rolling Stones, Frank Sinatra held private parties there. So something that is continuing to create history and be a part of history that is going back to its roots, I think that's really exciting. And it's good considering all the bad news about closures of venues. And granted, this isn't going to solve the whole problem, but hopefully there'll be more spaces that will open up instead of closing because you can't just have people living with no actual entertainment spaces left. Sticking to the concert theme, I saw another concert uh, this past week at Danforth Music Hall, one of the surviving mid-size venues, and it was Little Dragon, who are a Swedish electronic... Honestly, I feel like genres these days are so hard to even pinpoint because so many groups, they just sound like themselves. 
And actually, that's not true. But in this case, I feel like Little Dragon has such a unique sound that it's really hard to classify. And the lead singer has such a soulful and distinct voice that sounds the exact same live, which can be uh, hard to come by sometimes. And the band was just so on point. And they recently just released their new album. And I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be honest. When I first heard it, I wasn't sure if I was a huge fan of it because it kind of went more into the electronic sphere when they'd always had a bit of a soulful, but still electronic, but there's always a bit of a soulful bent to their music. And I felt like they kind of gotten away from that a little bit here. But when I listened to it again a few more times, it totally changed. And also listening to it after the concert really helped that as well. But their latest album, which just came out somewhat recently, is called Season High. And the title track of it is High. And I think it really does a good job as an introductory... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. As an introduction to the group because it's laid back. I feel like it's something you could put on while you're cooking dinner with a glass of red wine and the lead singer's voice is just so beautiful and ethereal but also has a note of soul to it and it's just such a laid-back song that you just can't go wrong with it like how could anyone not like this song that's how I feel about it and if you don't I mean that's your business but still I just you there's no way you can be mad at this song so Let's take a little listen to Hi, and I also encourage you to listen to the song, to the album, sorry, Season High, because Little Dragon is great. I guess we'll never get started. Let's stay a silent song night. No need for talking about. friends we've reached the end of another episode you can find me on twitter at melissa hote that's at m-e-l-i-s-s-a-h-a-u-t-e if you haven't done so already you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes and google play feel free to leave a comment or a rating you can also now like the yyz podcast facebook page that's yyz podcast on facebook and if you want to send me an email with feedback information music you can do so at yyzpodcast at gmail.com podcast music by simbo follow him on soundcloud peace